This is episode 26 of Free as in Freedom for Tuesday, April 10th, 2012. I'm Karen Sandler. And I'm Bradley Kuhn. This is Free as in Freedom. And it's episode uh, 2-6, The Continuing Fosdom Stories. <laughs> Is that the title? No. No? It's just going to be Michael Meeks or something, or copyright assignment considered harmful. Yep. Uh, Chris, that's not what he called his talk. He's such a good speaker. I'm excited. He's a good speaker. I uh, So folks should listen. You can follow along with the slides. But we so. have a lot to say about it afterwards. Yeah, we do. So we do. I, we haven't even talked about it beforehand, but... I know I do, and I know you must. Uh, yeah, I do. <laughs> okay. Um, so, so uh, follow along with the slides. They're in the show notes. Um, I, I think there are a couple of places, uh, particularly uh, Michael will, will, will talk about a quote that's up on the slide, but he won't read off the quote. So you may want to uh, watch the slides. Now, I was on a plane when I listened to it. I didn't have the slides open the whole time, but I found like three or four times I really jumped back to the slides and wanted to see what was going on. I actually listened to it without the slides. At and, all. At all, and found it to be entirely easy to follow. Okay. Yeah, that's fine. So, so yeah. there's the two opinions. So, so if, if you're in, <laughs> if you're if you're out out walking around or or, or unfortunately in the car, um, <laughs> apparently Karen says it's okay. You don't have to worry. You don't have to wait. Drive safe. <laughs> Thank you. Cool. Right. Well, here we are. What does it say? Risks and benefits of copyright assignment. Ha uh-huh. ha. Perfect. So this is what I'm going to say, I hope. Um, yeah. So there we are. I'll say it in a minute, but uh, do come in. Do come in. So here's where I'm coming from, at least. I think, personally, that two corporate copyright assignment, yeah, is a, is a really serious problem in our world, and it screws things up really badly. So I'd like to persuade you that if you're working for a business, if you're a lawyer and you're working for a business, that the best thing you can do for your business is to not do this. Well, that's quite a that's quite a difficult thing to persuade you. I'm not a lawyer, but I'll try and I'll try. Okay. So, uh, and I think another point is that in the cloud, I see corporate copyright assignments happening again and again and again because of the lack of an ALGPL. So I think collectively we need to fix that as a legal community. And the last thing is I, I want to try and persuade you is that the FSF is harming its own interest by endorsing and in some ways encouraging corporate copyright assignment. So that's, that's my agenda. We'll see if we do it. I'm not a lawyer. Thank you. <clears throat> so what am I doing here? You know? What am I? Yes, okay, so I'm a software engineer. I have, I've worked in a lot of projects uh, over many years. Many of them copyright assignment based. Some of them, some of them copyright assignment based. And I've seen the evolution and failure of lots of, lots of projects. Uh, so, yeah, I work for SUSE as well, if that makes a difference. So, I think lawyers are really clueful, clueful businessmen. You know, it's no use having just a brilliant legal strategy if you can't negotiate in a tough way and get a good outcome for your company. And, you know, some of the best business people I've dealt with are not the business people, but the lawyers who happen to be in the same room as well. So I think, you know, having a pragmatic view of the world where reality ultimately bites, you know, you can get a beautiful legal setup, and unless the reality actually works, it, you know, it's, it's not actually going to work. And so I think there's a tension here between legal simplicity and elegance and what actually works. 
Let's look at the effective copyright assignment on, on some free software projects that I, I'm particularly amused by. So here's Fedora, for example. On the vertical axis, we have the number of active accounts contributing to Fedora. And this is time going along here. Guess when they drop their copyright assignment requirement? Right? Does it start? I mean, does it, does, it look, does it look like it might have an effect on people's willingness to contribute and to participate in, in, in your project? How about this? LibreOffice. So we launched a year and a bit ago now, and previously there was relatively few people outside some of the time, or Oracle, I guess, working on the project. And, you know, day one, it went pretty vigorously different. You know, suddenly there was all these new contributors we'd never seen before. Uh, current count is several hundreds of them have contributed code. And this is actually people with code committed in the repository. This is not well-meaning people on mailing lists. This is not stuff. This is lines of code actually getting in each month the number of unique people committing stuff. So one factor is clearly dropping copyright assignment. I think the other thing is, is just that loss of vendor control. So maybe you think you can have a copyright assignment project where the corporation demands copyright that isn't controlled by a single vendor, right? Yeah, maybe you think, think that's possible. Well, I think actually these two things are intertwined. Once you have that, you say, this is our project. We own it. And you exclude other people. So this is the before and after in terms of the diversity of the project. But to be sure, the Oracle email addresses and the openoffice.org ones kind of overlapped. So I would make a, a good a point that most of this is Oracle and not much else. And now it's really extremely diverse, much more safe, much more robust. One big company can buck out tomorrow and the project is still there. It's something you can depend upon that's safe. And this is not my word. This is uh, some random academic study from uh, you know, what are towards sustainable open source? So, how about a, a third source of information? So, this is a, a quote from Mon Monty Program's response to the European Commission when the Oracle merger was happening. I would point out that I don't hold Oracle personally responsible. I don't have a grudge against them because they're they're just lizards. I think that's what Simon uh, you know, reptiles. reptiles. You know, <coughs> it's just that you know, it's like a lawnmower. You put your hand in it, it cuts your hand off. But you know, it's a lawnmower. It doesn't hate you. That's what lawnmowers do. So. Um, as not my metaphor, but I'll get there. Um, as Professor Moglen agrees, it is a fact that MySQL was almost fully developed by employees of MySQL AB. Right? There's no one else doing the work. Broadly, it was just MySQL doing it. Okay. And to me, this is an obviously profound weakness. Right? Isn't it? Isn't it horrific that we're depending on one company, which is only one acquisition away from total ruination? Right? But other people say, yeah, but without that, we wouldn't have MySQL, right? You know, so we should be profoundly grateful uh, to this company. And, and, you know, we should encourage this model because unless one company can own everything, we won't get any software like MySQL, right? So it kind of cuts both ways. And so I'd like to look at, you know, some quick uh, sketch arguments for, uh, for this point of view that, that I don't hold. But, you know, that we should be grateful, you know, for this great attraction. Uh, that we can encourage venture capitalists to invest because at the end of the day they can dominate and own this piece of software effectively. <coughs> and so we hear quotes like this. You know, this is a pseudo quote. I happen to have heard it from an influential person. Uh, roughly, if you look at projects with lots of traction, only assignment-based projects are a success. Yeah, we should be really grateful to the companies that do all the heavy lifting, you know, alone in this project. You know, why is, that, why is it that they're alone? It's only them carrying this you know, it's great burden for us. Isn't, isn't that grateful? Uh, we, we should be, you know, fantastically <coughs> pleased about them. And so, well, I, I suggest, actually, if you look at things like Linux, 
There's actually no corporate ownership aggregation, and it's incredibly, incredibly diverse and, and effective. Uh, there's no single company, you know, so, so again, the single company doing the heavy lifting is a sign of risk and failure. So, you know, Mozilla and WebKit, the two major uh, browser platforms that we have out there, no copyright assignment. Glibc, GCC, Bnutils, Udev, there's just, just huge numbers of things that don't do that. Sorry, that, that sort of slipped onto the previous slide. It's necessary for unsexy projects. You know, there's some kind of class of software that's so boring that you have to have a company owning it, otherwise it won't get done, right? You know, I assume MySQL, but, but you know, so, so this, this sexiness uh, thing. And again, you know, we mustn't let companies who are uncertain of their continued investment to exclude others from co-owning and building key pieces of our stack. That's just a madness. It's, it's a systemic risk we're creating. And again, vast majority of our stack is not owned by companies. Personally, I think all cleanly written software is sexy. So, I, 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 you know, I'm a developer. So I, I, I like that. Then we have some, some other things. I mean, I don't know. This is a project I know nothing about because uh, that, that's helpful when I discuss patterns. Um, <clears throat> so here's the open spark. You know, it's, it's a GPL v2 only license. Note the only. Just hold that in your mind. And it has a shared contributor agreement. There's a lot of sharing in contributor agreements. Although the direction of ownership is one way. All contributors to OpenSpark are required to sign a contributor agreement before contributing to code. This enables a single entity to represent the aggregated code base and gives the community flexibility to access. Isn't it brilliant? You know? That's all we all need as a whole to react to changing situations and so on. But let's face it, they've released the source code to their microprocessor under a license that forbids third-party patent settlements. Who thinks that there are no third-party patent claims on any substantial microarchitecture out there? Right. Okay? So they basically released you something you can't use, and then they've got this, you know, you can come and pay us if you really want to use it in the, the old evil proprietary way. So it's a, it's a welcome sign for academics, non-profits, and signed-up partners with back, backroom agreements sign uh, when you see that. And I think it's probably been a, a total failure. I don't know any, uh, anything about it, but uh, there we go. These things can be a pattern trap. And I've uh, just adapted Oracle's uh, FAC and printed great chunks of it out here for you. Uh, why, uh, but I've removed Oracle from it. I don't have an issue with them. I just put company instead to, to help make it uh, more ambiguous. It protects the integrity of the code base. And it protects the development community and the project's users. And for, you know, companies, sponsored projects, you know, that the, the require an OCA, that we act on the community's behalf in the event of every legal challenge. It's wonderful, isn't it? Because there's no commitment to actually protect any individual in their agreement that, that you sign and that you, you make with them. Uh, but, you know, it's, it sounds good in the abstract, doesn't it? And it's in keeping with how other code stewards, including the Free Software Foundation, the Apache Software Foundation, the Eclipse Foundation operate. Isn't that amazing? Everyone's doing it. In order to represent a code base against legal challenge, blah, 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 copyright ownership of everything, it's worth noting, actually, that Apache and Eclipse don't aggregate copyright ownership. So this is pretty misleading. Um, I, I would suggest. And it does have a yeah, it does have a contributor agreement, but it's not copyright assignment. Anyway, semantic. <laughs> yes, okay. So there is a lot of fuzzing about contributor agreements and what's being transferred in them that I think is unhelpful. Sometimes you realize, yeah, so here we are, the possibility of relicensing the whole code base should that become desirable. Now, there's a great way to relicense the whole code base. That's to use an or later version, you know, a plus license. So, you know, this version or the later version. And that, I think, you know, should be the recommended way. But, uh, you know, if you own it all, clearly you can relicense it. And in fact, that drives your proprietary licensing business. It enables it and makes it possible. Um, 
And that's their invariable business practice, to have a proprietary licensed version as well. So without it, they'd have to obtain permission from every single contributor in order to license the code on a different license. And it's common practice in various open source communities. You know, everyone's doing it, particularly the FSF, you know, and they're the, they're, they're great. So we should, we should do them and assign all your rights to Oracle, you know? How does it help me? Well, you can read. You know, it allows company to sponsor the projects to which you want to contribute while retaining other commercial licenses without that. We couldn't responsibly, responsibly do anything in open source. You know, we couldn't open source these code bases. I think that's probably true. But the question is, do we want this kind of relationship in our community and these sterilized areas that other people don't invest in? More of the ACA lets the company protect community members. Again, there's no formal commitment really to do this that I can see. Uh, but, you know, they're going to protect community members. It allows them. It lets them. If, you know, should they want to? You know, should it be in their proprietary interest? And, uh, you know, who knows? An open source covenant. Oh, this is, this is another popular marketing choice. An open source covenant or promise that your contribution remain available from Oracle as a free open source software. Isn't that good? Isn't that fantastic? It's completely meaningless. This is just a, a commitment to a public revision control system so you can get all the old versions before they when proprietary. It, it, you know, every project in the world has this by default because they have a public revision control system. If you want to hear funny, um, funny things, uh, amusing descriptions, I, I suggest you go and listen to Brian Kentrell's Fork Yeah talk from uh, Lisa at the end of last year. And it has some just fantastic quotes, including the Lord Mayor one. Um, yeah, which I won't re repeat simply because um, of liability issues. But anyway, for <laughs> Friday the 30th, he talks about the Sun Memo when effectively they closed our open Solaris. They, they didn't send it externally, he says. It was never publicly announced. Oracle's not publicly announced once that they're stopping contributions to open Solaris. They simply silently stopped. And it's cowardly. It's shameful, reprehensible, something in the pool of open source, disgusting corporate behavior, entirely legal, enabled by copyright assignment, entirely predictable, I would have said. And and the thing is that the people who contribute to open source, the thing that annoys Brian, because actually you could have seen this coming, is that there was a social contract, he says, which was formed, which went beyond what was written. You know, we thought we were all in this together. We thought this was a project we could work on and collaborate with other people, and it would be there, and we were really building something great. And then it turned out, actually, you weren't. You were building a company's bottom line. And they changed their strategy. So of course that's what the that's what the the documents say, but then it gets rehashed left and right. So here we see a great example of a, a, a confusion between copyright assignment and contributor agreement. Dalibor's a great guy. I don't know if he's here. Um, you know, as far as contributor agreements go, he he was I think working for Sun or in the Java Java all the time. You know, everyone has one. The FSF has one. Apache has one. Eclipse has one. Mozilla has one. Sun has one. Aren't they all in the same sort of thing? Well, no, not really. Actually, FSF has a copyright assignment to a non-profit. With a, with a public uh, service sort of mission. Apache doesn't have copyright assignment. Eclipse doesn't have it either. They have certificates of authenticity, as, as Alison was, was talking about before. And Sun, of course, is asking for to own all of the rights, everything, down to the last semicolon, and the documentation in every jurisdiction with every kind of caveat. So I think this kind of thing is confusing uh, for people when they see that. Uh, Neo4j, these are just a few I, I found, uh, you know, on the thing. It lets us protect the community. Again, they're protecting community members, although quite how it's not described. Um, in line with other free software projects, stewards, you know, the FSF are doing it. The FSF do it. It must be good, right? And, and they even recommend it. Go, go and read their fact. You know, there's, and it's, it's actually the FSF do it wrong, right? Because they're not sharing copyright. 
uh, and all this sort of thing. Um, yeah, and, and the Clear Foundation, you know, in order to protect the Clear Foundation, slightly more intellectually honest, actually, in order to protect us, you know, who contribute intellectual property, you know, uh, the FSF explain why this is, is really good, and many more. The, uh, so the FSF is really the frequently asked questions poster child for this practice, and I think much to their detriment. So uh, what was this thing saying? Okay, so looking at the economics of this, I think it, it's a dumb thing to do for your company. If you are a lawyer, you don't want competitors, right? Because they're going to compete with you, right? It's terrible. And you, you, you want to, you know, keep all this value and this kind of pseudo-monopoly of this project is, is brilliant, right? It looks great from a business perspective. But the unfortunate reality is that it doesn't scale. It's highly rigid. In order to work with other people, you have to do all of this legal contractual work, negotiating, fooling around, wasting time. And management typically makes terribly bad technology decisions terribly, terribly bad technology decisions. And the problem is that when you're at the bottom working on these things, you can't choose what technology because it's all this legal licensing contract miasma in between. So these decisions are very slowly, get made very slowly. They're extremely expensive and they go really badly wrong. Um, and, and worse than that, it simply doesn't scale. Um, I, I've seen, never seen two expensive pieces in the stack. Right. So this is the bottom, this is QT, and this is KDE on top in one imagination. There's lots of other ways you can do this. The MySQL provision is even more complicated with, with different things in the middle. But I've never seen another thing on top where you have to spend money with two people to get the stack here. So everyone basically duplicates their expensive piece on top of very liberally licensed things underneath, and they don't share uh, and reuse stuff, which is a shame because that's the only way we progress, by, by sharing code, uh, at least in my, in my world. So, yeah. Corporate copyright assignment, you get a single rent-seeking owner. It destroys your community, so you give your product nearly away for free in certain circumstances, and you get no one else to work back on it for you. So it's economic madness, I, I think. You know, it just doesn't work for you. you. You get the worst of not getting any money for your project, product, and also not getting anyone to help reduce your cost developing it. So, um, yeah, and of course you, you fail to exploit all these niches because there's no one that can compete with you. Even in different price points, you know, different places, different uses of the technology in the ecosystem, you fail to efficiently exploit what the software's, uh, you know, possible of doing and growing it in a cool way. But these open core people, they love this third party license thing. You know, a special feature of open core is you can have a special indemnity. I'm going to look at special indemnity. I mean, you can indemnify free software. Anyone can do that. That's fine. You, you know, we can sign a deal with that uh, tomorrow. But this special indemnity that comes from owning the copyright is a pretty nasty thing about subverting all those nice protections that should apply to everyone in the license. And of course, tactically poor licensing choices are required. Otherwise, there wouldn't be any proprietary licensing revenue. Let's face it. If you, if you went out there and you choose the Apache license and you're trying to do an ISV story as a, as a, as a toolkit, no one's going to pay you any money. So what do you choose? You choose the, the GPL and... So this is a this is a tactically bad choice for a toolkit, simply because there are lots of proprietary toolkits that seem to be free, and you can build anything on without paying anyone. And so we end up with a piece of software that is free and a pure free license, um, but it's not a good tactic for driving software freedom. And the difference between the goodness of that tactic and what you want is where you get your money from. And of course that that can change. So there's this tactically bad pick, and then of course, well, what percentage of tech and internet startups fail? I don't know what you think the failure rate is. 30%? Is it only 30%? Maybe it's, maybe it depends what stage, obviously. What percentage of those, those 50% maybe that make it through, uh, exit to a large company, 
probably a large company with no clue, no interest in the product, fears of libelists, whatever, right? Um, which can leave us with these unalterable, really poor tactical choices that have been made and, and foisted onto the community by those single companies. So, how the FSF loses by advocating and practicing it? Well, <clears throat> to start out with, I would say assigning copyright to the FSF is incredibly more benign than giving it to a rapacious corporation driven by profit. I think that's obvious, right? But the FSF doesn't actually really require or actively exercise its ownership of the copyright, as far as I can see. I don't believe that it needs that. Uh, and there's little to no need for this complete ownership in order to defend uh, the code. But an indirect consequence of encouraging corporations to do this assignment is to kill plus licensing. So I don't know of a single corporate copyright assignment project that uses an or later version license. I don't know one. Maybe you know one. Do you know one? Canonical don't do it, Sun don't do it, you know, it's not done, right? As soon as you own the rights, you can choose what later version you have. And so the FSF effectively gets a worthless right that they don't really need, and in return they lose the power to update all of this software to GPLv3, GPLv4, and keep our ecosystem healthy and, you know, and functioning well. So this is just a really poor strategic choice, I would suggest. Um, and it's a shame that they're used as this poster child for a practice that actually actively harms their interest. So, yeah, I think this is unfortunate. And I would, I would love to see that change. But I, I'm not a paid up, you know, member. <clears throat> Here's how, um, traditionally, how am I doing for time? I'm looking at this clock and it looks like I have loads of time. Ten minutes. Cool. So, yeah, this is a very simplified vision of goodness for a free software type person. I don't know. It's kind of simple. The GPL is good. The less GPL is bad. And these other things are really, you know, well, whatever, if you must, right? And, you know, there's these great papers, why your next library should be GPL, etc., right? And, of course, you know, the, the GPL v3 is better than and v2 and so on. But that, that does that strike a chord? Have people seen that kind of presentation? Yeah? Hopefully it's, well, it's not, not too. <clears throat> so that's fine until you mix it with this corporate copyright assignment. And then I think it gets a bit more complicated. So if you have a GPLv2 only with copyright owned by Oracle, personally, I feel that's a bit more risky and problematic than an LGPLv2 only with a copyright assignment to Nokia. Because should this guy fold and go completely bust, at least we can go GPL if that's a good tactical move later. And if it's not a good tactical move, we can stick here and compete, right? And actually, when you come over here with an Apache license, that you can easily move up speed this way if tactics require it, and with a license to a foundation, I think this is this is a fairly preferable place to be, right? Versus here, and certainly versus here. So I think <clears throat> that the presence of copyright assignment, and particularly without plus licensing, turns a good and wholesome license, you know, this, this, this GPL, which has all of these wise restrictions to stop people screwing each other over, um, none of which apply to the person who owns the copyright and the people they happen to have licensed it to that you don't know who they are around the sides and so on. Uh, I would suggest that it turns the good GPL into something that's a bit of a problem. And uh, that we need to really address that. And, uh, yeah. So, uh, and of course it strangles the project and makes it owned by one too. So I think, anyway, that's a bit of a problem. So, <clears throat> here's my last, even more heretical slide. This is the ALGPL um, thing. Yeah. I, I've done quite a bit in my life of competing with proprietary software, uh, and particularly proprietary software built on top of it, around a shared 
free software core, it's quite a reasonably easy thing to do. Um, and personally, I would much rather compete with someone who has a shared free, free software core and a proprietary plugin, because I can write, replace this bit in time if I need to, and help grow the core and make it more expensive for them to develop their proprietary plugin by improving and refactoring and changing and beautifying this guy. Um, and I, I find this model much, much more compelling than some kind of, it's all free software-ish, you know? Assigned to us, but, you know, there's no economic business here, you can't, you know, it's hard to, it's, it's hard to do things there, beyond a pure place service thing, and even then you've got these odd patent fudding problems behind the scenes. And so what does that mean in the cloud? Well, in the cloud, this model doesn't work because there's no ALGPL. <coughs> there's only the AGPL. So almost every web startup you see using the AGPL demands copyright assignment because they want to do their proprietary bits, if they're particularly benign, small proprietary bits. But they can't do that without owning it all. And in doing that, they destroy their product, right? So this is not good for the health of the ecosystem. It's not good for code reuse. It's not good because a great chunk of these startups are going to fail. And when they fail, will we have captured any value from their AGPL pieces that can be plugged together and reused into bigger and bigger and more complicated and rich and compelling pieces of infrastructure? And I, I'd argue at the moment we're in risk of not doing that. I think that's a great, uh, great shame. So I would love to see that, that piece. So that's my conclusions. I really think it's best for your business to drop the CLA. Unfortunately, it increases your competition, but it creates an incentive for others to invest with you. If you pick a license you would accept yourself, it's symmetric, you will get more people around your project and your cost will be reduced. And your project will be more stable, attractive, and so on and so on. And it won't have as much competition, I hope, in, in the free software space. So that's the first thing, and I think it makes business sense. I, it's not just a, you know, good for the free software world. To get code reuse, yeah, we need this ALGPL, I think. I'm not a lawyer, I can't write it. Frustrating, isn't it? And I think the FSF really, really needs to rethink its almost accidental, I would suggest, uh, support for this, this corporate copyright assignment, uh, which is sort of cheerleads. So, that's my talk. Let the stoning begin. <laughs> I wish I'd recorded that. So, uh, yeah, so uh, we're coming back, and uh, Karen uh, had a nice little comment that I wish I'd re started recording a couple seconds earlier, <laughs> earlier but I c we can't repeat it now because it won't be funny. All right. We just try to repeat it. No, 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 no. It's so deadpan. So, anyway, um, so, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I got some issues. You want to go through your, I mean, I did them in a list. Oh, you were listed. Wait, let me see. I li it's, my notes are messy here, but you can take a look. Um, that, that's just saying that Meek starts at that time, so that's that's oh, awesome okay. to comment on. So so oh, let's start with this ALGPL oh. thing. So actually, well, we can start with something I agree with him on. I've come around to the idea that we need an a Faro LG Faro lesser GPL or lesser Faro GPL. I didn't agree with that a couple of years ago when it was first proposed, and, and Michael is not the only person that's proposed that. To be honest, I'd actually never thought about it before this talk. Yeah, I forget and who I first sort of told me like, they liked it. Yeah. I mean, it's, I, I think that, I, I think that it's interesting. I think that it won't, I don't think Michael's reason that he wants it makes any sense, but I have other reasons that I think it might make sense. So Michael's reason seemed to be 
that because the AGPL is being uh, being basically abused by single copyright holding for-profit companies that are waiting for you to violate one little term so they can come force you to buy a proprietary license. And that's, he and Fontana both love to say that that's the primary user of the AGPL right now. And, and they're in fact right about that, which is unfortunate. Gnu Media Goblin is the great exception. Go Chris Weber. <laughs> um, and, and friends, of course. Um, but I think, I think he's got a point about that. And, and, but I don't think the lesser AGPL would solve that problem. Right. I don't think, I don't think that, I mean, it just wouldn't solve that problem. Right. Uh, and the other thing I worry about that I used to worry about the lesser AGPL is there, there are a lot of free software web, web infrastructures and libraries that are already basically kept as free software and people contribute upstream all the time. They're actually Apache licenses that people just voluntarily ship upstream. It's the applications. But that I they would don't say release. that actually that they, that that's decreasing over time. You think? Is I it do. getting bad? I, I mean, I don't know. It's scary to hear because I didn't think it was. Really? But. Well, like things like Django, things like Ruby on Rails, like the core on those things are relatively solid. But those things solid. are kind of old. Are they? What's, relatively what are, what's speaking, the I don't know. I mean, jQuery, jQuery stays free as, yeah. a, as the core. I mean, there's lots of proprietary jQuery apps, but jQuery as a core is still free. And, I wish it's a sense I got, but maybe maybe yeah. our listeners know better. Yeah. If they, if Let us know. know. So, so, I, so I think that I disagree for, with his reasons on that, and I agree that it might be a good idea, and I want to explore it. Um, which sort of leads me to another point of what he said about he he made this comment. This this is sort of a a, a side comment that he made, but it really bothered me that he said, "FSF, oh, you're a big wealthy foundation, not like LibreOffice, which LibreOffice raised fifty thousand euro in a matter of a few months." Mm -hmm. Um, which is rather similar to the amount of money that FSF raised in their last fundraiser in a mm -hmm. few months. So, I, I mean, granted, the FSF annual budget is probably more than the LibreOffice budget, but they have the ability to raise money too. Yeah, I was sort of surprised about that because it's not like the FSF is a big slush fund. You know, I yeah, think really, of a lot of other organizations that have kidding. a lot more money. Yeah, I mean, I mean, FSF uh, people people know this now. FSF uh, wasn't able to keep the staffing level it had at, at sort of its height a couple of years ago, mm -hmm. unfortunately, because of that. Because of basically funding uh, crisis, so um, so I, th I think uh, I think that he's he's kind of wrong about that, uh, and and I, I think that I think that he wanted to be really critical of the FSF, and he was he was actually basically looking for reasons. I thought to that some of those some of the things he said about the FSF just seemed plain wrong to me. I, like I, I, I didn't mm. understand his point about copyright assignment as a scheme preventing. Uh, licensing under later versions. Yes, that was I didn't weird. Understand that, at all. that he said that. I I think he misunderstands. In fact, all those programs out there that the FSF releases, as far as I know, F uh, FSF releases everything under or later that it does. Um, but even if it didn't. It would be able to relicense it under the later licenses. Well, because it has copyright assignment. His yeah. argument was basically they don't need copyright assignment. They can just use or later. Why don't they just use or later? Well, but because I, the thing is you can't force everybody to use or later. I right. mean, or later is well, one and, tool and, and that, copyright that was, assignment is another tool. You can't force anybody to do anything really. But And my other thought when he said that was that perhaps he misspoke in the sense that I think maybe what he meant was that that FSF is for or later and encourages or later and FSF yeah. admittedly has control of later versions. It, it decides what the later versions say as an organization. And I think maybe what he meant was, was a, was a three step sequence of events, which 
I think, I don't mean to put words in his mouth, but I was just trying to interpret in the best possible light something he said. I think maybe what he was saying is FSF supports copyright assignment. These other companies use FSF's support of copyright assignment for their own nefarious purposes, and, and they misquote FSF, which I'll, I'll get to in a minute. And then uh, yeah, that, that causes okay. the, and then, so there's another step, there's multi-steps to this. Right. This is the only way I can interpret this in a good way, mm-hmm. is to have like four steps behind it. But then the next step is, after they use FSF's name, then they do something FSF doesn't like, which is use non or later. They use AGPL V3 only, GPL V3 only, and the FSF's mission to encourage people to or later is thwarted, and his argument by FSF's own action because it, it does I copyright. I just really assignment. don't think the one is connected to the other. I think Neither do I. And, and I don't know that's what he was saying. I that's think the best the possible that want light. to give that trust, that level of trust to the FSF is going to do so in one of the two ways. Right. And, you know, and in some ways they're both, they're both, you know, different approaches towards the same goal. Yeah. And, and the thing is, is, is uh, this is a classic thing with me and Michael. We, we agree about a lot of stuff. We, we've come to agree about a lot more things over time uh, than we used to. But, and, and I do agree with him that, that what these folks are doing with copyright assignment in the for-profit world is really seedy. And in fact, their use of FSF is seedy. And, and, and actually, I know that Brett spent a good deal of time trying to correct misstatements on some of these websites that people say about the FSF. And, and we actually did a thing where we internally at FSF, we had um, uh, gotten a list together because uh, some uh, some enterprising friend of the FSF um, who might be a lawyer at Red Hat um, emailed us a list of things. Uh, Richard Fontana emailed us a list of things like, look at all these people saying these things about you. And we actually dutifully, uh, I, Brett, Brett did the work really. Brett dutifully went through the list and wrote to them and said, we think what you're saying is not really our policency and you're misquoting us and right. so forth. And we, and, and FSF was able to get a lot of that corrected. Yeah. I mean, I just think that saying that this is, that these issues are too subtle and that the FSF has to change what it's doing because it's so hard to explain and that these companies, you would basically the FSF is giving the, the, these companies mm-hmm. a tool when they distort what the FSF is doing. It's mm-hmm. just not fair mm-hmm. because the truth is that if these companies want to distort what the FSF is doing to support their cause, they're going to distort whatever they can find. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's, I mean, that's, that's, I think that's, that's pretty silly. Yeah. And, and I have, I have reasons and I've, I've been on uh, as far back as desktop summit last year, I've been on the public record saying as an FSF director, which I am, I'm on the board of directors of FSF. I've been advocating for a softening of the copyright assignment requirements uh, within FSF. And I, I continue to advocate for that inside the free software foundation um, as a minority opinion at the moment, which is slowly gaining support and we'll continue to talk about it. Uh, and I'll let you know if there's anything to announce beyond that someday, hopefully. Um, but uh, in the meantime, I think that, that it is important to make those distinctions. And you and I agree with that, that there's a real difference between assigning to, to nonprofits that have a charitable mission that have to maintain the public good and the co- kinds of copyright assignments that FSF asks you to sign, which has all sorts of promises about the, the public good and making sure that FSF continues yeah, to I make mean, the code I'm a big, available. I'm a big fan of, of, you know, of making an option of having um, nonprofits to assign code to because there really are problems that happen over time um, with a code base that are easier mm-hmm. if, you know, if the code has been assigned. So, you know, the copyrights have been assigned. So I think that actually, you know, there, as, as I've said here on, on this podcast before and also at the desktop, actually, I don't think I said it at the desktop. Yeah, because you're trying to be the moderator. I was the moderator, but you're I said it a lot after when I realized yeah, I right. needed to talk about it more that I think actually assigning to nonprofits is a great way of, of doing it, whether that's mandatory or voluntary. Is, is an important distinction. And, and uh, uh, of course, the funny thing is, is that uh, to, to, the, to have had these three people on this podcast right now, uh, what we have is... Uh, oh, that's true. Michael Meeks and I are the are basically the co-authors, with, with some help from, from Vincent, 
Um, Uns, is that how you say his last name? Or I, I, I think so. I, I, I always pronounce it Vincent. I finally I, don't call him Vincent anymore. Vincent? <laughs> I used to call him Vincent. Um, but, Some uh, people do call that's him That's how Vincent. I read it in my head for years when I exchanged email before I ever met him. Uh, but anyway, uh, Vincent helped, but primarily it was uh, Michael and I that wrote mm-hmm. the Gnome Foundation uh, copyright policy, which the Gnome Foundation board eventually ratified before your time as Gnome Executive yep. Director. So you actually inherited a copyright policy for Gnome that I and Michael wrote Yep. Uh, with Vizal. <laughs> yeah. So, but I think it's a good policy. And in fact, I added that paragraph. There is there, pa- there is the paragraph in there that says it's, is like, like titled something like, uh, like assignment to nonprofits and said, Gnome Foundation is happy to accept copyright assignments. And actually, and we, we talked them. about yeah, that at the yeah. time that you wrote that. Yeah. Well, yeah, you were, you were sort yeah. of advising as, yeah. as Gnome Foundation's lawyer, I guess. At the no, time. no, I was, I was just a really more of a coworker interested colleague. Party, interested yeah. Party, when yeah. we were both at SFLC. Yeah. So, so I, so I, so I was, uh, I wrote that, I did that work as, uh, in my role as an advisory board member from FSF, uh, to the Gnome Foundation. So I, I think, I think that that's a good policy and it makes that distinction. And Michael accepted that language and he and I worked on it together. So, I, he knows this stuff. I think, I think that he's, uh, he, I, I was going to use, I hate using cliches. I was about to say it's cliche to say this, but he's basically throwing away something good, um, when, because he's saying, oh, it's all too complicated. So you have to make it the easy. The baby with the bathwater is, I That's think. That's what I was going to say, yeah. but I didn't want to say it because I hate cliches. Anyway, <laughs> so, um, but then you said it, so I didn't have to. Um, so, so, but the other thing is that he, in his zeal, to not make a distinction and say that copyright assignment is just a problem, he lost over a problem, which I, I mean, it's most of it's going to be cut out because you can't hear Fontana's voice, but Fontana from the audience was giving him a hard time about this because many times contributor licensing agreements can be de facto copyright assignments because they're so broad and they give so much power to the upstream that they might, it might as well be a copyright assignment because you give so much power under the CLA. Oh, yeah. To well, the this, is, this is how I predicated that, uh, that panel that we were on at the desktop summit is that I'm not interested in talking about CLAs versus CAAs or whatever. Right, yeah. Not interested in that. What I'm interested in is if you're talking about a grant to sublicense. Yes. And, 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 spe- and my, I add to that the special rights to individual parties who, that other parties in the whole scheme don't have, right, right. which is sort of the same thing you're saying, uh, more, more generalized uh, version. So, um, yeah, but I, I mean, I generally, I say I agree with Michael up to a point. Uh, but let's just, just, I just want to make one more point sure, on this whole, like what we were talking about before about whether the FSF is inadvertently. She, he actually called the FSF, what did he say? He said that they're, they're cheerleading corporate copyright assignment. And I just don't think that that's, I just don't think that that's right. And I thought that it, that was a real, it was a nice turn of phrase, but I think it was a, it, it mm. was not true at all. He could it would have been accurate if he said they used to, because I, I mean, in my time at FSF, we were supportive of MySQLAB and their, and their, and their model. And, 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 and Stallman, uh, used to call it, Stallman's phrase for it always, I always quote this with, he used to say, well, what MySQLAB does is, is barely legitimate. <laughs> um, that yeah. was what he always used to say. Say is just 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 on the line. He he used to say kind of thing. And 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 he's right. I think Michael's Michael's right about this issue that that the FSF used to have uh, a different policy about. Though of course Michael I guess that's leaves out. my time. It is before your well, <laughs> not before your time, but but before you, my you, time you and free follow, software. Well, you weren't following it as closely then. Um, I'm trying to give you credit. No, I don't. I I mean, you I knew I about free software way back when. I oh, that's true, but not any. I, I didn't know some of it. I, I I I did, but I didn't know about any of the political discussions yeah, right, yeah, at all. Right. But, yeah, but that, I'm trying to not make you sound like a complete noob in, in 2005, but, right? I mean, you no, I wasn't. I wasn't a not. complete noob, but um, no. Anyway, so yeah. I think I, the other thing Michael leaves out because so I think he's right to say if, if he if he had turned the phrase "used to" rather than "does," I think it would have been accurate. 
Um, okay. But if- he used to. That's the other thing is he used oh. to be an advocate for the Sun JCA. He went around Guadac 2001 and 2002 um, saying, sign the JCA now. Everybody sign. Everybody sign right now. Sign this. This is this is what we need because we need everybody needs to be contributing to open office. Yeah. I need more contributors to sign the copyright assignment, joint copyright assignment agreement, whatever the hell that means. Um, sign this with Sun and, and put your copyrights away. That's what he always said to everybody. And I think... I think he's rewriting his own history. I, I think he learned from that experience. And I and, and when I talked to him privately, he said that he learned from that experience. I was going to say, to be fair, he has fair. told me that straight up. He didn't say that in the talk. No, though. he didn't. But also his talk was very short. True enough. We made it short. So we're criticizing him for not saying extra things that we didn't give him time to say. So that's kind of unfair, isn't it? So. I, I mean, I thought that overall his talk was quite good. Yeah, I you mostly know? agree with him. I mean, we were really, we're really picking on certain small, sm- smaller points about yeah. it. Yeah, I, I actually, I, I, for a second, I thought it was personal, but but I don't think uh, Michael knows this. Uh, and then later he said he got the quote from someone else, but he talked about sticking your hand in the lawnmower and the lawnmower cuts off uh-huh. your finger. I, I Most people don't know this, but I'm missing a part of my finger because I cut it off from the lawnmower when mm. I was a kid. And for a second, I thought, did Michael put that in there because he knows it? Cause <laughs> I can't remember if he knows that or not. But then he said it was bad. He obviously didn't because later he said that from a quote. But I was like, what? Yeah. He's talking about lawn- people cutting their fingers in lawnmowers? Like, I may be the only person he knows that's cut off a finger in a lawnmower or part of a finger anyway. Yeah. Um, so. Most people don't know that. Now the now all three of our listeners. Oh, I sh- I'm not supposed to say the three listeners. No, and actually it's yeah. been great because everywhere we've been going lately, people say I'm one of your three listeners. Yeah, yeah. So you don't have to say that anymore. You don't have to approach us and say that. But we know thank this you more for letting us know that yeah, you actually, listen. It makes a big difference to us. Yeah. So continue to come up to us and say that you listen. Just you don't have to say I'm one of your three listeners when you come. <laughs> but if you see me or Karen at a conference, come up and say you like the show. Give us feedback. You know, I, I I'm not. We're both not. Both Karen and I are not great about responding to all the emails we get at the show. I try to, res- to at least. To to be fair, Bradley responds to a lot more than I do. <laughs> well, and I often just respond to a couple side, a couple small points, and and, mm-hmm. and and don't really get into substantive discussion where I would like to with because uh, I think a lot of folks that have emailed in raise stuff that's oh, yeah. interesting. Um, oh, definitely. But I don't always have time to to get into substantive discussion. So well, and sometimes it influences us in some way, even though we don't respond to the email. Right. Yeah. yeah. We're not. We're not. Unfortunately, we're not like Linux outlaws where they they name check everybody who emails in, and I, I mean I'm, I think it's really cool they do that, but we're we're lame. We are lame. So, uh, but, but, it, but generally, oh, we're not supposed to say lame because that's, that's, um, that's a, a, a derogatory term against people who are unable to walk. So what do we say? We're, we're, we're not good. We're, we're not fastidious. We we're unfastidious. Is that a word? Mm, um, anyway. Yeah. Whatever we are, we are. Um, we're sorry. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And I'm sorry. Yeah. So, but do come up if you see us at conferences and, and tell us what, what you think and what you think we ought to change. We're always happy to talk to folks. We did. We were at, uh, we just got back, both of us, uh, in the last few days from Linux Collaboration Summit and a couple of people came up to us there. It was fabulous. Yeah. It. Um, in fact, uh, somebody, I, I had dinner, um, uh, uh, you weren't at, you weren't at this dinner, I don't think. No, you weren't. Uh, but the, I was sitting with somebody at a dinner one night who said, Oh, I was at Fosdom. I was in the audience and I recognized her. I was like, Oh yeah, I saw you in the audience. I didn't talk to you. And then she said, Um, I really like the, uh, the App Store panel. And I said, Well, you know, she said, Cause I'm trying to quote that to my colleagues and stuff and, and so forth. And I said, Well, uh, it's on an podcast. She said, Really? I said, I said, Yeah, it's a FIF.us. So. Uh, so we got, we've got another listener that way because they were, they liked cool. one of the Fosdom talks. So, uh, so I hope, I hope folks are enjoying hearing the talks. Um, we didn't get recordings of any new talks in the end, despite, no, so despite Karen fastidiously. They, this is something Karen did fastidiously. She carried around the mic the whole time, but I only recorded yeah. Fontana's talk in the end, which is just a, a similar version of the way you did Fosdom. So actually we're going to let Fontana choose, uh, which version he likes better, which, yep. and, 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 so, so we've forth. still got so. a few more talks lined up that we can, that we have. 
mm. um, ready to go for you guys. But we'll, you know, but after that, we're, we're basically going to go. We, we have a few interviews lined up with people, um, that came out of the, the discussion. So at the conference, so even though we don't have, you know, recorded talks, we've got some interesting stuff that hopefully. Oh, and we can yeah, do. I got yet another uh, Linux Foundation, somebody from Linux Foundation, uh, had a suggestion about something. And he said, and, and he basically, you should have me on, uh, to talk about this. And I said, I said oh, that'd be great. Nice. And so he gave me his card and he said that he would get a mic. I, um, I don't want to announce who it is yet because we haven't set it up, but. Oh, um, so he'll record locally. Yeah. And, and so, so that's, Perfect. I mean, that's the thing. And, and, and if, if, if actually, if you folks have, uh, I mean, Floss Weekly does this, we might as well say, if, if, if listeners feel like there are people we should have on as guests. Oh, yeah. You should email in and tell us. And, and the thing is, is that, is that we will have to ask them if they have a mic at home because that's the key way that we get a good recording because they have a personal mic that they record onto a wave file and then we get that from them. Yeah. And then we can just use the phone as a back channel to, to interview them. And then we have two sides of the recording and then Dan does his magic and everything's great. And then it's decent quality. Yeah. And yeah. so, and so folks who have them, basically if they have a mic at home, we can easily do it. But give us the suggestions of people you'd like to hear more from. Yeah. And, 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 and certainly if you know that either Karen or I is going to be at a conference coming up and that you see somebody on the like speakers list or you know it's going to be there that you think we ought to get, email us before. Yep. So we know. And then we can actually even take the mic if, if Karen doesn't mind carrying around again. Um, or she'll make me carry it sometimes, which I should. I should have carried it. I think more. so. Sometimes. I know. It's always me. It never fits in my bag. I don't put it in my bag. Well, because you, you can convince these TSA people. Although they did hyper search or her they search really the mic. They searched it this time. <laughs> on the I way back. It. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they did it's that never to me once before. when I had the mic. They did that to me once when I had the mic too. I almost missed my flight. I know. Yeah. I know. I almost missed the flight time. But I didn't me. miss it, so. Neither did I. They were actually held it for me because they were. I guess they felt like. Oh, they knew you were in security? Really? I guess, well, they knew that I, I checked in the normal way at the front desk. So oh. it may have been that they. Um, huh. Well, so, that's cool. So yeah, that turned out. I was also just, yeah, so it was, it was, I also switched flights. So they knew that I just switched to that flight too. I, guess. I gotcha. So, okay. So enough about airplanes <laughs> and I hope folks enjoyed this talk and, uh, hopefully Michael will, uh, Will not be angry at us for disagreeing with him, but uh, I've disagreed with Michael many times and had wonderful, I, I wonderful think, discussions. I think Michael's with used with, to people disagreeing with him. <laughs> that is certainly <laughs> and true. And he's he's uh, he's more than equipped to handle it. He's so he's always so eloquent. Yeah, yeah, yes, it's true. So, so we'll probably have Fasten talk next show, but uh, but I hope you've enjoyed them. Reason Freedom is produced by Dan Lynch of Pod Factory and can be found at podfactory.org. Thanks to Mike Tarantino for our theme music. This episode of Reason Freedom is licensed under the Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 3.0 United States license. You can follow Reason Freedom, Bradley, and Karen on Identica, and also read Bradley's and Karen's blogs. Links can be found on the Reason Freedom website, faith.us. That's faif.us. Okay. Because I want to see if... Why won't VLC work? I don't know. <laughs> but a... Oh. I just ran it. It's like it's a... I'm going to tell syslog. Is it an IO error? No. Can't NTP sync. Well, that's I'm not on a network. What's that? Oh, that's a grandchild. Grandchild failed. <laughs>